you can't just like task things with like micromanagement or something. It just doesn't work. You got to put people in a position where they're able to grow uh, on their own and make their own decisions and you're empowering them and helping them. Hey, welcome to Building Bigfoot, the show about growing yourself and growing your business. I'm with Lowell Rempel. He is an awesome entrepreneur, uh, founder, CEO, CTO. You've done it all. Um, marketer, digital marketing uh, genius. You've been through the background of uh, digital marketing before digital marketer was even a thing. And uh, I, I'm very excited to, to connect and pick uh, Lowell's brain. One uh, little known fact about uh, Lowell is... Uh, uh, he's well. Him and his family are very good mountain bikers. And his son, we went mountain biking up in uh, Smith Creek, and his son hit this jump, and by far biggest hit of the day. Uh, I think it was maybe even bigger than his son was. <laughs> your, your son was expecting, but it was just sweet, super awesome. Um, so why don't we get it? Uh, introduce yourself, Lowell. A uh, little bit of your background. You've obviously you've been around everything, and you've kind of seen the gambit of uh, digital marketing, the the evolution from the early days all the way to today. Uh, yeah, share share a little bit of background of of uh, your story and and where you are now. Yeah, Jonathan. Listen, thanks for having me on, man. This is great. Um, we happen to be in the same town, so this is sort of cool to to do something like this as well. We're not side by side, but. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I have uh, I, I've been involved in a, in a lot of things over the years, and uh, really, when it when it all boils down, like business is just business, and and everything is sort of a business, right? But uh, you know, like anyone, when you start going to school and and uh, maybe had a path in mind, it doesn't necessarily plan out quite the way that you thought. Just you know, unknowns and and whatever else. So uh, I definitely went into the entrepreneurial kind of route and uh, tried, tried a tremendous amount of things just because I was very interested, wanted to learn fast. And so I just, I dove all into a, a number of different things. And then, yeah, just over time, you know, I, I call it growing into being a business person. So I went from like entrepreneur world, which is just like chaos and crazy and doing it all yourself. And, you know, no one can do it better than you and stuff. But actually, once you start learning, like how to grow, how to systemize, how to how to do things at a, at a different kind of way. That's what I call growing into being a business person. So you're, you're not really an entrepreneur as much anymore. You're not tagged with that, uh, you know, building the, the ship on the way down and all those different sayings that they have. So, so yeah, man, I, I've, been, I've been involved in, uh, in a lot of different businesses for sure, from, from retail uh, to online to SaaS, uh, then coaching. I've had, uh, I've had like wholesale type companies, uh, Sort of, sort of been around the block, and uh, I guess you move quickly when you are in that entrepreneur kind of world, as well as uh, you keep leaning into what you love, what you what you enjoy, what you you know find your personal success points or whatever. That's that's what you you keep sort of diving in. So I've I've done a lot of that over uh, over the years, just as I continue to grow in the business space. Yeah, and uh, you know you've done a lot of things. What do you? find that you are you love the most like what do you find that really drives your passion well you know what I, pro probably the biggest thing I, I love the build i love i love growing things um i like scaling things i like seeing like an inception or an idea and then growing it into something uh much bigger but what you know what i learned early on is that uh i sort of thought everybody was the same like if you were in business 
like everyone understood marketing the same. Everyone understood, you know, and if anything, I, I had maybe a little FOMO cause I'm like, you know, I, I don't know how to do like particular, like the finance side or something is good. So I must not be good at business. Uh, but actually what I started realizing is that, you know, when I, when I really look at it, uh, a lot of people did not see things the way that I did. And, and I'm more of a pattern interrupt kind of a person. I, I really like seeing things that people that others don't see even in the same business and then turning that into a whole system um, and creating just a, you know, uh, some massive growth plans from, from there sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, I, I love the build. I, I love building teams. I love systemizing things. Um, I, I just love growing with people and, and, and really diving into, you know, leadership of, of like, everyone has a skill, everyone has some secret sauce, but you, sometimes you have to tap into that. It just doesn't immediately come because they're a manager or because they're, you know, so I, I love doing that in other companies where you can really tap into some, some crazy secret sauce that people have that sometimes they don't even share until you tap in and you're like, what, this is, this is fantastic, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I love the leadership side and just team collaborative and yeah. It's kind of a, a spectrum there, but uh, you're, I, I agree. Some, there's something fun about the, the team side. It's, it, uh, you know, when you're talking about your story, going from being the entrepreneur to more the business person where you start out being, uh, you know, you know, you, you do everything, you, you have to do everything. You're wearing every single hat. So you become good at a lot of different things. Um, and then you're moving to a position where you're now scaling a business where you have to delegate first out of a forcing, um, procedure, but then you realize, Hey, there are some people out there who do things in a way that I didn't even know could be done that way. And that's, that's super cool. And it's fun when you see somebody step into their strengths, like you said, who maybe they were in a managerial position, or maybe they were in a position where it wasn't necessarily obvious that they were going to be good at that. And then they they take on an initiative or a function in a in the company in a way and they become like the team captain and they just start driving forward and then you see that passion what would be some of the like pattern disrupts like that you were talking about there that you know maybe describe some like a pattern disrupt for somebody and and what that looks like and maybe something that you've done or seen in the past that's kind of stood out to you as as a highlight yeah, well, I mean, it's like every business is a little bit different, but um, I guess one thing I could add just to the the previous question is, is you know, I used to just chalk it up like, yeah, I'm, I'm a marketer or whatever, but I actually, where, where my passion actually lies too is it's a lot of like creating like an, a really, just a fantastic customer experience. That That's actually one of the most exciting things that, because at the end of the day, when you boil it down, like all the digital stuff aside and, and whatever else, it, it's just real people, right? And real people have a problem and, and whatever you have is solving their problem. And, and just how you communicate that, how they experience that and how it, how it really works for them, right? So I, I'm a lot more of a data and a numbers kind of a person than I used to be just because uh, it doesn't really matter what I think. Because when you really dive into it, you can start seeing all sorts of opportunities that are uncovered just by data, right? So, and that sort of leads into sort of the pattern uh, disrupt is that, you know, it's almost too easy. Like it almost sounds a little too easy, but, but really when you really dive into, and a lot of us talk about this, but most businesses don't really do this. And if you start interviewing, you know, like the founders, the partners, 
you know, uh, certain, certain C-level, C-suite roles, customer success, whatever. You start finding out different things as you're asking questions. But where, where things really start opening up is with customers. When you start actually uh, like asking very specific questions, not just like, you know, uh, how are things good? You know, how are things for you with your software? You know, it's, it would always be like, yeah, things are really good and stuff. But you have to get into like, hey, what do you do in a day? Like, like tell me what you do. Like, open up the software right now. Show me what's going on. And you can actually start finding out so many things just by digging in a little bit, you know, and, um, and seeing like what their true problem is. And, and what I mean by that is I've been in enough softwares um, or just businesses in the past where I call them a bit of a, like we're, we're riding the wave or maybe it was like a one hit kind of a wonder thing. And you just had a tremendous amount of success. There's like tens of thousands of users coming in. It's just like, everything's awesome. So because you have momentum, you start creating all these new features, all these new things, but you didn't really ask anybody if they needed those features. You just assumed, man, I hit it off or hit it out of the park here. I'm just going to keep adding more and more features, more things. But you start finding out that actually most people don't need any of those, right? Because you never asked. You never actually dove in to find out what do they actually really need? Like, what, what, where is this customer? What, what, you know, what are some of the problems they have on a regular basis and stuff like that? So uh, that's one of my, uh, I guess, uh, for the pattern interrupt kind of thing, I would actually dive into that and find out some like true problems that a customer would be having, right? And then from that, I can visualize and create uh, a, a whole system and sort of reverse engineer that based on the best possible opportunity to roll out to uh, the general public or into your niche or whatever, right? So, um, and this is this could be anything from just looking at things in an entirely different way. So just just one example I'll give is. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's an old school, I, I won't mention that because this is not about like uh, promoting this business or something like that, but there's a, there's a business I'm involved in and it's, it's a, it's a very old school kind of a, it's like in the printing space, right? So, um, and I, I just happen to be, you know, on the board sort of thing for this company and I'm looking at, and basically they're just trying to be like another online, you know, like a Vista print and all that kind of stuff going against all these different competitors, whatever else. So I started diving into this. And I saw an opportunity right away is that no one's ever really done this. And because like the, the typical, you know, printing company, even if you have one locally or whatever, and you go there, like they don't print themselves anymore. Or maybe they do one thing. Maybe they do like business cards or something like that. They, they just wholesale all out to these companies called trade printers, right? But it's hard to get, um, you know, working with a trade printer. They don't just work with anybody. But anyways, um, instead of just selling the typical retail front end, I looked at this whole model. I'm like, what if? We did this in an entirely different way where we sold everything for cost. And they're like, well, that, that's crazy. Why would we sell something for cost if we wouldn't make any money? It's like, true, but here's how I look at it is that if you could have like a membership access to get into this trade portal where you could get everything at wholesale, there's no markup, there's no, the, the value is, and here's the pattern interrupt because nobody's done it before. You just pay a monthly or yearly kind of, uh, membership to access to the platform and everything's a cost. You don't, you don't have to like try to figure out where's the best price to get, you know, your flyers printed or, or whatever. Right. So, um, so this actually worked really good. We actually, uh, we launched something and it almost worked too good because we had to stop. We couldn't handle the way that we did it. Uh, we couldn't handle the member success. It was growing so quickly that uh, just, just by taking an old school model and doing it slightly different, how we worked it out, we made sure it was fun and they could 
order test samples and all that kind of stuff just to show that it's the same as everybody else's. Um, but yeah, just, just again, being something different, being something unique. Right. So that's, uh, that pattern interrupt thing is something that I like. I just like seeing how could you create a better experience and then how could you, um, how could you do it in a way that is disruptive to the industry? Right. So does that make sense? That makes total sense. So I'm wondering, like, you know, the way you think, uh, there's there's an example like fairly recently. So for those who don't know, so Lola and I, we live in Kelowna, BC, middle of British Columbia. There's just like raging fires everywhere. I think there's more than a thousand fires raging. I don't know if they're all at the same time, but they're within Canada. And um, if you look at a graph, so my 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 mom, she's a very um, uh, what's the word? Uh, she's an abstract thinker sometimes she's a great artist. She comes, but she also is good with numbers, but she's, she's an abstract thinker. And so she was looking at this graph and she shared it with us and it shows the number of fires in 2023. And the, the number of fires in 2023 is just significantly greater than, than the previous years, but it's not like the weather in, in at least where we live in the Okanagan is any different than normal. We have very dry, hot summers. We're technically an arid desert region. So uh, drought is the normal, not the, not the abnormal. And, um, but then if you look at 2020, the number of fires in um, BC was at an all time low. So, what was the difference between 2020 and 2023? And, um, you know, because I saw that graph and I just see the number of fires going up and thinking, okay, what's causing that? And she said, well, obviously we were in lockdown. <laughs> people weren't going out, they were staying home, and you just had fewer people out and about. Fewer people in the mountains, fewer people in the forest, fewer people camping, fewer people driving their um, their ATVs or whatever else through things. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. And I was thinking about it as, like, yeah, there's probably a direct correlation between the number of fires that start and the number of people that happen to be out in the mountains. And so she can look at that data and see something that maybe is not obvious to uh, reporters. And... Uh, it's kind of like what you're you're saying right here is like if you can look at data and you can see a story that nobody else is really seeing that gives you a big advantage because you can take advantage of the fact that hey there's a lot of people that are looking for low discount but that doesn't even need to price low maybe because then you're just like a, a me against me you know another me too product what if we can change the disruption of the model entirely where we're saying what if there's a membership fee and it's like once you're a member you don't have to you don't have to worry about trying to find the lowest cost item. You're getting it at the lowest cost possible. You're essentially cutting out the middleman. And that's uh, that becomes a really powerful um, marketing uh, position, or at least go to market and to the point where you're, yeah, you, you, you ran out of, um, it sounds like, uh, uh, capacity. So are you a naturally, are you like a visual person or are you like, how does your brain think? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely visual. Um, so I, when I, when I get into something new, like I, I definitely, like I'll learn it very, very quickly. Um, but I'll see things a little bit differently than most. And I used to think everybody just sort of thought the same, but that, that's when I started realizing, I'm like, well, okay, this is sort of my, this is my thing or my gifting or, or, you know, my passion or whatever you want to call it. Um, because, you know, whatever we would do, whether it was like an old school, like a direct mail campaign or something, like I just like doing it different than everyone else. So if everyone else has, for example, I'll just use the direct mail. It's an old school thing. Most people don't even think about it anymore, but it's actually like incredibly powerful. Most people don't understand how powerful it actually really is. 
because no one's really using it anymore. But in saying that, if, if it's a typical like, you know, the realtor wands or whatever, just no one looks at them because they're all the same. It's like they're all copying like lost sheep. So they're, they're all going to have like their perfect picture of the real estate photo and, you know, whatever else. So people don't even see that. It's just like, like blindness. You know, when people are opening their mail, they just sort of do it over top of the recycle bin and just throw out all that stuff of, of so-and-so, you know, sell your home, yada, yada, yada. But if, if you do it differently and, and you had an entirely different way of doing it, so this is what I mean by different, right? So instead of like the nice looking, uh, perfect photo, everything, like we all know that that, that stuff uh, is around all over the place. And it also most likely doesn't work. Like I can see any kind of ad, I can see pretty quickly if it'll work or not. Not always, but, but, uh, but if you, you know, change it up and you had like fluorescent, I don't know, green or blue or something like that and just had like very simple call to action exactly what you'll solve and whatever it, it'll actually get people's attention way more because it's just like well this is like it almost looks like like your your best friend's sister uh, made it in her you know her basement sort of thing but joking aside it actually works because it's different than everyone else right and and it just you're not trying to be overwordy you're not trying to tell them a story you just make it very simple this and that's getting to know your audience getting to know your customer and really diving into numbers you can find out very quickly what exactly that thing is and then just just talk about that like don't don't get into all the other things that you could do and and how you're better and, and whatever else right so that right away sets you apart as to like thousands of other realtors that are all sending the exact same kind of uh, this is one example but you, you can you can have some creativity do something pretty cool pretty fun and 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 get someone to be actionable right like do there's lots of different ways of doing this but um yeah so i'm i'm a very visual thinker yeah no question i i can even when people tell me about their business i'm already visualizing i i can't help that but i'm, I'm already visualizing how how you know they could have <laughs> different opportunities how they like as just who i am I, I can't help do that so i'm careful on giving too much advice because i'm um I'm not, I don't want to give out advice unless they ask for it or whatever. Right. But that's just how I've always been. Like I could always see like, okay, this, this would make most sense to do this. And then when we do that, it would typically work quite well. So. Yeah, no, that, that makes so much sense. It's what we see as well, which is if you, if you create a, um, an ad, as the example you were giving and you're just very clear, it, it's going to perform a lot better than sometimes people try to get too clever. They're like, well, I want it to be funny and creative and I want it to tell a story and I want, and before they know it, like people watch it and they didn't know what the point was and, uh, and they got something entertaining, but they moved on and, um, and hopefully at least they remembered you, you know, but so you really have to think about like, what's the objective and then making sure that that's packaged in a simple way. But you also said like, so you are a very visualized, visual person. Um, now, okay, you you alluded to this to a little bit of beginning, but I'm I'm curious to know the full story. Like, did you were you always entrepreneurial, or how did you like what did what did life begin like for you? Like when you first got into your career, like did you go straight into university? Yeah, well, that, that's uh, so. I, I grew up in a pretty uh, pretty traditional family, you know, like. Uh, Dad was an engineer, mom was a teacher. And, uh, you know, I was always told like, listen, you have to go to school. You have to go to school. You got to figure it all out. You got to have your path ready. 
And, you know, that, that definitely stuck. You're like, okay, that makes sense. So success equals going to school. So um, I, I still always had that entrepreneurial kind of a bug just because, you know, growing up, there wasn't a tremendous amount of opportunity for a young, a young guy to, you know, make a whole bunch of money other than your, your typical part-time jobs and stuff like that. So um, I did start at, a, at an early age. I sort of had that, um, I don't know, that, that passion of just something more. So literally, I'll, I'll tell you like how this started. I was a kid delivering papers, which is, by the way, probably the worst job in the world, especially where I grew up, you know, more in that Midwest prairie kind of area where it's, you know, freezing cold and, and you're up at five in the morning delivering these huge papers and stuff. Anyways, it was, a, it, was a, it gave you a lot of time to think, a lot of space to just like think about what else you could do other than this horrible job and collecting money from people at and I sort of, <laughs> sort of dating myself a little bit now because I don't even know if they really have a lot of newspaper stuff anymore. But anyways, at the time, it was, it was a little job. So I was pretty young at the time. I was, I was literally like eight years old. And I thought of this idea of how I could uh, go downtown to the little town I was in and I could wash windows for the merchants, right? And just, you know, I charged like five bucks a window or whatever. And uh, I, remember, I remember explaining this to like my parents first. And... And they were like the biggest, you know, like they're very careful with, with their money and stuff. Like they would only sort of let go of a, you know, $20 bill to get a better grip sort of thing. Um, but so they, they were not <laughs> entrepreneurial, not business people at all. Right. So when I had these ideas, it was sort of like, well, we, you know, we highly recommend that's not a good idea right now. And that, you know, you'd have to spend a lot of your hard earned money, you know, to buy this window washing equipment and stuff. And at the time, like, like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was, seriously, man, I was making like 60 bucks a month or something like that. It was just like a joke. But I saved up and I actually bought, I just went ahead anyways. I'm like, ah, whatever. So I bought this window washing equipment. Uh, so, you know, the little squeegee and, you know, some ammonia and container and stuff like that. And I just started hitting the streets. I, I went downtown and I started <laughs> pounding on doors on my day off sort of thing. And I actually, I sold quite a bit. I actually made more than a double what I'd make in a whole month that one day, just by going around and, uh, and doing this, you know, just charging five bucks a window and whatever else. So, and I, like, I was young, man. Like, I can't believe my parents actually let me go downtown at this age, like this little kid going in and pitching these people. So they probably just felt sorry for me or whatever. I don't know. But uh, within, I like, seriously, man, within like 30 days, I had all these older competitors that were doing the same thing going down. I was like, man, it's crazy. Like I created competition right away. So even at a young age, I thought of this idea, I'm like, what if I did a contract with people where I'd guarantee them, you know, um, like a special kind of pricing or whatever, and, and I'd be their only guy, you know, throughout the month or whatever. So I, I literally made this contract. Like it was, I wish I had a copy of this thing, man. It must've been like super cheesy on like the old printers with like dot matrix kind of thing or whatever. But, um, yeah, I went around and I made, uh, I made a whole bunch of people sign these things where I'd be their, their exclusive window washer. Like this is like at eight years old, dude. And anyways, <laughs> it just sort of morphed from there. It grew into, you know, like having from food carts. I used to have like ice cream buildings all around, um, like Edmonton when I was, when I was going to college there. So I did end up going to college, um, and starting, starting that whole path. I, I, I can't say that I learned a ton there that I could really apply in other than maybe I learned how to, uh, communicate, network more with, with people, uh, and just learn, like learn how to learn. You know what I mean? So now I can consume something new. I can learn it very quickly and, and sort of apply that. But the actual like skills of like, you know, 
um, organizational behavior or, or whatever all those classes used to be. I, I can't really see like Maslow's theory and stuff really helping me out a, a whole lot in, in the journey that I'm in currently, but I still did it. I still went to the college thing and I actually even went into um, the corporate world. I started working with Coca-Cola. Uh, I was in management there and, uh, you know, did, uh, it, it was a good thing. I was climbing the ladder and, and, but at the same time I was, I was really bored. So I started out, um, at just one store at first, and then it grew into a chain of stores where we sold like hot tubs and pool tables, and we built swimming pools and patio furniture and all that stuff. So we had a whole bunch of stores. And uh, I had that while I was working at Coca-Cola. And then uh, our world changed quite a bit when uh, when our second child was born, our daughter was born. Uh, she was born with a major uh, heart defect. She was actually born with half of a heart. So our world's completely changed and uh, it was, we were literally sucked like out of our world and you're in a children's hospital for like months and months and months. And I started like, you just start realizing like, what, what do I really want? Like what, what really matters? What, you know, where do I want to go in life? And I actually made a decision that I'm going to leave the corporate world. So I'm actually going to give my notice there and I'm just going to focus on my, my own thing, a bit more freedom. And I, I feel that I could have a little bit more control points. So that's what I did. And, uh, and I sort of just, uh, you know, it, it grew and, and uh, never, never really looked back. And at the same time, I was, I was diving in other things, got into the online space and, and uh, yeah, just, uh, just continued to grow. But I've sort of always been in that entrepreneur kind of mindset, like literally seven, eight years old to, you know, even though I've had jobs along the way to support those things or whatever. Um, yeah. How 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 old is your on that you know I remember you chatting to me a little bit about it before about your daughter yeah. and just like the trauma that that she had to go through um, in regards to that but like how old's your daughter? Well, now? she is eighteen years old now. Uh, she's doing awesome. She's uh, she just just graduated from from high school. Uh, she's like a full time barista at the moment right now for Starbucks. Just taking a taking a a year sort of thing and learning some stuff, but she's doing really well. Uh, considering she had three open heart surgeries before she was two years old. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's, she, you know, considering what she had to go through, she's done really, really well. And you probably wouldn't even know, uh, she can't do sports and stuff quite the same as what we could, but, uh, but yeah, overall she's doing awesome, man. How's the smoke from the fire? How does that affect her at all? Or. It probably does, but you know, you know what's weird is that a, a lot of us are like almost complaining, like, "Man, I just can't like get like a full breath of air or whatever." She's like, "I don't see anything different," but that's that's all because she has like a passive airflow uh, with oxygen, so so she actually probably always has that, and she just doesn't know any different, right? So mm. so it, it actually surprisingly is not affecting her anyways because uh, she's not like lung compromised or anything like that, but. Just the amount of oxygen that comes into your your lungs when you're breathing, um, she still has that. But being the way that her heart uh, functions a little bit differently, it doesn't automatically put all of the oxygen in in her blood the same way. So she has to uh, breathe basically twice as hard as what we would. So, but yeah, so far still still okay. I mean, like any of us, maybe your throat hurts a little bit if you're talking or whatever, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not like asthma or something like that where it's affected that way. Yeah, that's crazy. Some people I would think like if you, you, um, with raising kids, I don't, different personalities different, but I would imagine some people would get cautious as they raise their kids, but 
like watching how your son um, <laughs> mountain bikes, I don't see a lot of caution there. Um, how has that been as far as a, like, like what's been your and your wife's mindset uh, or your approach to handling this, um, you know, as a family, as you guys have uh, gone through it? Well, you know what? It's uh, like we're all on a journey, all, you know, and, and if you if you peel back enough layers of anyone, there's there's a story. You know, there, there's something that's going on in their world or their family or their environment. And, you know, this is just sort of the hand that that we were given sort of thing. So we've just embraced it like it was never weird or different. And we wanted her to uh, feel as normal as she possibly could, which I, you know, I, I truly think. You know, if anything, all you can really do is just love your kids and help them out as much as they possibly can. I mean, we have three kids, three entirely different type of uh, individuals. It's it's fun. It's been stressful. It's been great, but not so great. You know, it's just uh, it's we're always learning too. I mean, there's no book on like how to how to father or how to parent uh, three these three entirely different kids that have entirely different emotions and entirely different ways of doing stuff. You know, so you're always sort of learning, uh, just just like in business or, or probably any kind of walk in life. But um, yeah, it's 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 been a fun journey, really. Though overall, I mean, it's uh, uh, well, yeah. You've you've I don't know if you've met my youngest. He's he's pretty he's bigger than Kale now, actually, like taller. But uh, but yeah, they're uh, they're they're a ton of fun, man. You know, they're they're always challenging you in a different way. You know what I mean? Like now. My kids are like, they're full of testosterone, both the boys, you know, like training and working and they're playing hockey with me and they're, you know, we're biking together, but it's, and skiing and whatever. But honestly, it's, it's hard to keep up to these guys now. You know what I mean? Like they have that, that full on like HGH and, you know, it's like, man, like I got to like up my game just to like, you know, play <laughs> in their space. Right. So, um, like with Kale, I, I can't, even though I can, I'm, uh, I'm a very avid, you know, mountain biker and stuff I, I can't do this stuff he can't anymore probably more of the brain thing and more like you know what i like i have to go to work tomorrow or whatever so i can't challenge the fact that i might be in a wheelchair or something that's just not really my um uh, he's toned it down a little bit but he's he's good he's he's very confident in what he does so so uh yeah it's fun though i can uh well my my girls they're they're a lot younger uh they're four and six but I got to experience a little bit of, like, I love playing with them, right? There's tons of fun. But then uh, we were at the Vernon Water Slides uh, about a week ago. And every once in a while, your kids surprise you. So our youngest one, she's sort of like the fearless one. You put her on skis and she just wants to go straight as fast as she can. My eldest, she was a little bit more cautious. She's like, teach me the snowplow thing. I want to figure this out. And uh, we go to the water slides. And my youngest decides that, she's not like this maybe a little bit too big for her and she's going to stick with the, the the little slides and my eldest six-year-old she decides that this is like the is heaven on earth like she like how did she not know about this before and they've got these three new slides in uh in vernon where uh there two of them are these massive tubes that go down and i swear you pull at least a g inside of them awesome and you can't see the whole way down, so it's perfectly black. Oh, cool. And so there's like a bit of like fear as you're going down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so she does both of these and loves it. And then the the third newest one is this drop of death. Like literally, you get on and then you drop and you have to close your legs, otherwise you're like 
yeah, you, you have to keep your legs closed. It's going to hurt. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, and so, uh, she goes like, so my, again, this is my, my six year old. She's like, I want to do this. Like, I'm so excited. And I'm like, okay. And I'm sort of shocked. So we get up to the top of the water slides and I'm like looking to see if she's going to do it. And sure enough, I just see her body just disappear. Boom. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. As I go down the other one and, um, she comes down and, uh, Steve and brother, he recorded the, like when they, she came down she pops out and she's got this big smile on her face and she's brushing herself off. I was like, that's amazing. That's cool. It's just crazy how kids, kids surprise you. But I had a little bit of that too, where you like play with them and it's just like, man, I can see where this is going and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's cool. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's always, uh, it's always a challenge, but it's, 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 you learn a lot about yourself too, as you're, as you're parenting, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh it's sort of it's sort of cool to if you're open to that anyways just to discover like all sorts of new things or or neat things about yourself just by seeing yourself in uh your kids right so yeah it's it's pretty cool it's interesting and um so now you you leave the corporate world what do you get into when you first started your entrepreneurial journey and was it immediate success well I sort of had those running in parallel at the same time. So I already had somewhat of an established, um, like for me, I basically had like two full-time jobs, like my corporate one. And then I was running at the same time, uh, these stores. But for, so for me, it wasn't like as big of a, a leap, I guess, cause I was sort of funding it all that way first. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was good. You know, like to, I, I think. And this is like the hot tub stores. Yeah, and the- yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think what happens, you know, like I've been studying this a lot, but um, whenever I go like, like, I think, you know, that I do this like crazy, like mountain sledding and like snowmobiling and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, you know, I'm into motorbiking like yourself as well. And, and anyways, whenever you're by yourself, okay, like maybe you're out hunting or maybe you're on an airplane and you just, you don't have the Wi-Fi, you don't have whatever, you're just like thinking, just, just like meditating almost or whatever. What's interesting about that is how creative you can be in a very short time. So if you have like a quick three-hour flight or, or something like that, uh, maybe that's not quick for some people, but like a, a shorter flight, it's crazy that you can, in those three hours, you're like, man, I just got like so much done or I just solved something really big. And I, I do the same sort of thing when I'm like out skiing and whatever. I, I won't even have like music going or whatever. I'm just like, I'm just in my own head. You know what I mean? I can just like focus. I can get get some... Anyways... Um, I, I think that, uh, so one thing that I learned was when I was just busy, right. When I had like two full-time jobs and I'm just like scrambling, like of course, success wise, you know, maybe people are seeing from the outside, like, nah, that's crazy. Look, look how much they're doing, where they're growing and whatever. But, but it was tiring. Like it was, it was, you just couldn't sustain that for a long time. Like you, you would absolutely burn yourself out, but it's just something that I felt at the time that I had to do. Cause I, I wasn't hundred percent confident that I could maybe support hundred percent my family, um, with, without doing both. Right. I sort of had that fallback sort of thing of the corporate world. And I think a lot of that was actually my parents putting that in my head, right. That you have to have a corporate job. You got to have benefits. You got to, you know, always go to school, all these kind of things. But I started to learn once you start developing and growing yourself is that a lot of those things that they shared was just what they knew. That's all they knew. But now that I know, something different and I've elevated my level of, of confidence or, or whatever you want to call it. 
I'm now teaching my kids that you actually don't have to go to school or you don't, I mean, you could, and it's still probably some good things you're learning unless you're going into a specialty, like in the health sciences or something like that. Um, but, but other than that, I, I actually feel that, uh, you know, I, I've learned that, that confidence side that, it, that actually pretty much anyone could, could really do this if they really dove in all the way and just gave themselves permission to do that and gave them the space to really think that through. You know what I mean? Not just like, it sounds good, but like, like imagine like, what is this really going to be like for, for me to do this on a day-to-day basis? Like why, what's great about it? What's, what's not so great about it? And, you know, is this really for me? Like a lot of those things, you can solve all those questions before you even get into it. Right. And uh, you know, it's, it's like, even, even in our world, Jonathan, I've seen some, uh, I've seen some like really successful people have not, like, uh, or what we would, cons- you know, assume them to be successful. But when you really dive in, they've had some very challenging times going through that. And, uh, and it's sort of a lonely world if you don't share some of those things or you're not in like a networking group or consuming things like, like these, uh, you know, podcasts and information, reading books, whatever. Um, it just, it's almost like you just feel like everyone's doing good except you. Right. But well, yes, but what's true? That, the highlights are, right. yeah, yeah. The highlights are told and the, the lowlights are kind of right. are, are quietly hidden. Yeah. But everybody goes through it. Everybody. And yeah. Like one yeah. company, actually I'm still uh investor in one, one company that uh, we had, it's a software company. And um, me and my business partner of that company, we were down at this call, this thing called Silicon y'all. It's like this big, like SAS convention. And there's, you know, everyone's there from Microsoft to Google to whatever. And there's all these like huge medical companies, but which is sort of weird in that space. And, and, and you probably know this in SaaS, software as a service, there's a lot of people tend to like introduce themselves by how much MRR they're doing, like monthly recurring revenue or ARR, like annual recurring revenue. And it, I, I literally had this conversation with, with Lance Schaefer yeah. uh, last week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's sort of weird, but what I was finding, I was like, I think I'm the smallest company here. Like everyone's like, yeah, we're a so-and-so medical company. We're just under 500 million ARR. Like you're just like, holy man. So I talked to my partner at lunchtime. I'm like, dude, I think we're the smallest company here. And he's like, yeah, I think so too. But um, anyways, one of the guys that, that was putting on the whole event and there's, I don't know, like four or 500 people there or whatever. But he just happened to overhear me saying this. And he's like, hey, Lil, you got a sec? I'm like, yeah, man. And he goes, hey, I just wanted you to know because you've shared a lot of stuff because they're uh, they're um, like basically an M&A firm or whatever. So they knew, knew everybody's numbers. He's like, just so you know, your EBITDA is probably better than 95% of these companies. I'm like, really? So he's like, yeah. And anyways, it just, but it's funny how you can put these things on as just like a human being. You can put these things on yourself that are like, their caps or the lids or the plateaus. So I try to like think through that. Like, even if we're out of the smallest, are we better at something else? Are we better? Just by hearing that, it was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's exciting. Um, but again, we, we put all these like self limiting things on ourselves. And I guess that's natural to do, but it's, I think it's really healthy to just give yourself the space to really like, break through that. Like, why are you, why do you think you can only do it to this? Why is, why is um, this happening to your company? Or why do you think that this is going to happen to your company, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's good to just have that answer from yourself, even if, if, if it's like a, 
like a BS answer that you've given yourself or whatever. But what's cool is actually diving into that. Like, okay, why? Why am I thinking that? And usually it's just because you don't know. You're, uh, you've never maybe had that much success or you've never done your business that way, right? So um, like any business that I've had now, when I look back on it, I'm not just going to do the exact same things in newer businesses because I, I, I'll only hit that certain level, whatever I've hit. So if I want to like up my game and up my level and go to a different place, I need to up my skills and up my ability that I can actually do those things. Otherwise, I don't, I don't have anything new to, to sort of bring. And, uh, you know, asking those hard questions and, and just being specific and diving into those yourself um, can, can really open that up. And, and all those really, it, that noise between the ears, man, it's, it's like the biggest limiter of any person thinking of diving into the entrepreneur world or business world is just, uh, or probably anything, probably sports, probably anything. Like if you don't think that you could do, be an amazing basketball player or, or hockey player or whatever, you know, you're absolutely correct. You know what I mean? So you're, you're going to need that confidence and the, you know, to be able to, to push through or learn or adapt or, or train yourself to, to understand how to be that kind of a, you know, athlete or, or whatever. And I think this is in any, any kind of business, even if you are in the corporate world. Right. So. Yeah. You said four really like important things. Um, you, you talked about the fact that knowing yourself is really important. So if you are an internal reflector and your best work happens when you give yourself the space, space to breathe, space to think, and you're not doing that because you're trying to perform in a way that you think you need to, to survive, it's actually preventing growth. It's preventing you from working in your strengths, which is actually unlocking the secrets that you need and the strategies that you need. So you can, you can grow bigger, faster, in different ways so knowing how your brain thinks knowing how you operate is really key a lot of the times the entrepreneurs that how they communicate themselves to the world is that they're super busy all the time but i've as i've gotten to know more and more of the um them some of them as like personal friends it's the opposite they create so much personal space so much personal time they have way more free time than the average human person and um it's the opposite of what one would expect but that's because they know that they need that time for reflection. They need the time to strategize. They need the time to decompress. Um, and then they allow and they create space for building relationships. And in that free time, that's where they do those things. And then the execution is now being handled through the team and through accountability, uh, which is which is really critical. And and I'm an internal reflector as well. Like I'll go on these hikes. I go on the one almost every single day. I'll go on today, even though it's super smoky out and I'll be breathing funny. But it's just... It's like that hour where my mind, like you said, it's it's um, you, you get to think through things and you'll have a thought that you don't even know is coming as you're walking or as you're hiking. And sometimes I'll just get a glimpse of the city, um, you know, uh, however you want to think. I mentally, I think positive thoughts of the city. I bless the city. I bless whoever lives there. And I just like, but all these thoughts, I'm like, um, uh, and then and then I'll have a strategy that'll come out of it. And I'll sometimes take notes or write it on my phone just quickly so I don't forget to go back to it. And so it's just, I totally get that. And then you also talked about the fact that, you know, you, you touched on some, like some, some really important points in, um, it's funny, like, um, 
like okay, well, the one we were just saying, you were saying like you've got the limiting beliefs and you got the the growth beliefs, and whatever belief you have, you're going into is going to determine the outcome that you have. So Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And um, the point of that is that a lot of times nobody's holding back our success but ourselves. And um, and when we really want to look in the mirror and say like, because we we often we're like, oh, it's it's um, you know. It's it's because I, I I had this background or this experience, or I don't want to repeat that. But the only person that's actually holding ourselves back, when we really think about it, is is ourselves. Is that's it? Like there's nobody holding us. There's no hands. There's no nothing. It's just do I want to go through what I fear might be an uncomfortable experience to achieve the thing that I want to achieve? And then when we actually take steps forward, we realize oh it's not that uncomfortable. Oh it's not that scary. Oh it's actually. Um, it's actually a lot more rewarding than I was expecting, which gets me to another point you made, which is anybody you think can make and have success in business, right? And I totally agree with that. And and Steve was talking about that on this weekend, and he was saying how being in business opens your eyes because our folks were very much like your folks, where they said you got to make sure you have something to fall back on, have a degree, get a career, you know, get a get a job somewhere, and and that you're going to be set. That's like think security first, and once you've been in business for a little while, it takes the pressure off a lot of stuff. Now, when the teacher has a conversation and like, Hey, the kid's having a hard time paying attention, or maybe, you know, we got to work on the skill. You're like way less worried about that stuff because you know that all of those, the skills that really matter when it comes to business are not the skills that really matter, which comes to paying attention in class. And, um, you can teach entrepreneurship and, it's something that is, you can develop the skills, like you talked about developing skills. It's like you can develop the skills that you need to thrive in entrepreneurship. And there's a direct correlation, there's a direct reward to those skills that you develop. And whereas sometimes in school, we focus on these, um, like how how can somebody sit still for a long time? I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a good skill to develop, you know, meditating or just sitting quietly for a while. It's a good skill to develop, but um, it's not the be all end all. It's you know the the what matters is that does the child have confidence that they can have an in like you know a thought and then act on that thought and then see an outcome as a result good or bad but then they can have a new thought act on that new thought and see an outcome as a result and then learn that pattern of of uh um of coming up with new ideas or working with individuals uh, other people to collaborate on ideas and then seeing having some sort of success you, you have to give yourself permission to have that space though right like that's the biggest thing especially in our current uh, world right now it's just like so many things are interrupting us all the time you know what i mean like whether it's like your phone that's in your pocket or your car what what whatever it is like we're just constantly like notifications we go to bed, put it away, and then we watch TV, which is another disruption. You know, you uh, you wake up first thing you do, grab your phone. Like it's it's like an addiction that's out of control. But again, you need to be aware of those kind of things. Like if that is like just you don't have to change it all at once. You don't have to like become somebody entirely different. But just take a break. Just just maybe try for for a week of just like not opening your phone till ten in the morning. Or, or, or something that's just different and giving yourself some space. And it's, it's amazing what, what actually happens. And I, I think um, a, lot, a lot of people have that 
you know, whatever they started with, maybe it was their parents, maybe it was a job they had, but they always equal like harder work equals success. So if I work this many hours, you know, I'll, I'll earn this much per hour or what, whatever that is. But um, I would encourage anyone listening to this to like, to really break out of that habit, like to not be thinking that way, because what you just said is so important. Like, how about just scheduling like a morning uh, or even once a week, a morning just by yourself and you can't do anything else. You, you can't like, don't listen to music. Don't just be quiet, be peaceful. You don't have to be some weird, like go for a walk or go for a hike or, or whatever, or no, don't, don't lay down. Cause you probably fall asleep. But, uh, but whatever that is to you, just like <laughs> have space to yourself and don't, don't have an agenda. Like just, just like, it's okay to, and I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we, we have a, um, the ability where we can just be quiet and be, and I think a lot of earlier things from our, you know, our parents or our grandparents, whatever is they, they had a lot of that, whether they were out, like out on a farm or something, they just had time. And of course they're inventing things and thinking of more, uh, you know, more efficient ways of doing stuff. And it's just, it was, and that's was like sort of an evolution for them of just creating something that uh, they don't have to do all by themselves all the time. Cause there's, there's always a, like one book that I, I love uh, that who, not how, cause I used to, I used to do everything myself and no one could do it better than me, which, which I, that was a, that was a pretty limiting belief, like in marketing, not, not everything, but I started learning pretty quickly that there's actually, I can teach that and I can have a system. And even if it's not quite uh, as successful as I might have made it, or I might be a little bit more passionate about it, it doesn't really matter. I'm not doing it anymore. Like someone else is doing that. Right. And I could just help them constantly raise the bar or lead them or, or, have another team member lead them. But by doing that, you're just making more and more space all the time for yourself. And I, I think that that's, that's a key part, especially in our, in our world today where there's just so much information that we're, we're processing all the time or at least consuming. I don't, I don't know if we're processing at all, but uh, it, it's, it really, it, it changes everything when you just have that, give yourself that freedom and that space to just uh, like whenever I need to figure something out, man, like if, if you and me were in business and we had like this major problem that was happening, um, I'll have an answer right away. Only if I give myself that space. Otherwise we're just like panicking and, and working through it and, and, and whatever else. So that's, that's, I do that on a regular basis now. I didn't always do that, but, but now if I need an answer, I, I really, really like, purposely give myself the space so I can figure, figure something out. Yeah, it makes, it makes so much sense. Um, and then another thing you talked about was, you know, just like being at that event, that conference, um, and you have everybody essentially telling you certain numbers. And um, this had a big effect on me for a long time because it started to skew how I was prioritizing um, the, the objectives in, in, in our company. Because instead of saying, okay, you know, wh what's our mission? What's our core purpose? And how are we serving others? Which is really our core values and making sure that we are, we are every single day doing something that benefits the people that are, you know, depending on our, our service, um, which is really motivating, by the way. Like if you, if you look, you know, you, you, you build your business around others, it's, it's inspiring. You wake up every day with energy. Um, you build your business around like profit or having like some random number. 
uh, two things happens. Uh, one is I, I discovered that um, it's 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 kind of demotivating a little bit. Like you you you're sort of you're derailing yourself from your why. But the other thing is that um, the you start to focus so much on some um, outcome that you actually lose sight or you take your mind away from the the things that matter most in getting you to that outcome. So uh, a simple example of that is obviously the Tour de France happens once a year. Tour de, you know, if a cyclist, if if the only thing a cyclist thought about was I want to win the Tour de France, well, there's a million things that needs to happen based on like getting there. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, maybe I'm not a great cyclist. I haven't won the Tour de France. And you know what I mean? Like everybody you're meeting is like showing you their medals, showing you the jerseys they've worn, whatever it is. And so you're starting to like put yourself in this, this, this way of thinking. But then if, if the mind thinks, okay, I got to win the Tour de France, there's so many things that have to happen to get there out of luck. First of all, you have to get on the right team. You have to be selected by that team to show up for the Tour de France. And then you have to perform for 21 race days perfectly to get to the position where you now are the lucky person in that jersey. But before that can even happen, you know, if you if you look at great cyclists, they never said, you know, if you ask them like, oh, how, you know, are you ready for the race? They never said, yes, I've been thinking about winning the yellow jersey for the last year. You know, they've, they've, they say, I've done everything I can to prepare for this event. What does that mean? That means they ate they, they controlled their diet every single day. That means that they worked out. They reached out to a coach and the coach has created a plan based on their own personal vitals. They then check in on those vitals once a week and they check on the workout program once a week to make sure that everything is on track. It's, it's about fitness. Their priority is about how do I train myself for fitness, not how do I win the yellow jersey. And so because their priority, their focus is around fitness – inevitably what happens is they put themselves in a position where they now are going to have the best possible chance of winning that yellow jersey and then it's it's about it's about putting your focus around everything you need to do to prepare yourself to get there and then when you get to that last 100 meters or or, or last kilometer of the event now it's that psychological belief that kicks in which is what you're talking about before which is if you believe that you you can win this thing you will rise to the occasion. You will always find another gear, but you have to believe it. And at that moment, the winner shows up. But the all the rest of it, like, is just preparation. And I think in business, if we went to conferences and our badge of honor was look at all the things that as a company we have prioritized and executed on well in the last quarter, you know. Look at our happy customers and look at the raving, like, 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 look at the success that they've achieved because of the things that we executed on as a company. I think you would end up having a totally different outcome for a lot of people leaving there. It wouldn't be like, hey, look at, you know, some, some arbitrary number. It's going to be, wow, we're making an impact and we know exactly how we're driving the company to make that impact. The company's going to grow irregardless. It's, so oh, yeah, you, you pointed on yeah. that, which I think is yeah. It's, and I still believe though that even even for like the Tour de France, and it's not that you're doing it just to win because I don't I don't even know you know if there is like obviously in a race you could win, but like in business, like what is really winning? I mean, if I looked at what I dreamed about when I was a kid, I've well surpassed that in like my twenties, sort of thing. You know what I mean? 
So, so I just keep raising the bar on myself. I'm putting that pressure on myself, or I, or I have the passion to do yeah, that. Yeah, there's an infinite game yeah, to business yeah, totally. for sure. So, but I, I think it's still healthy that if you are in like an Ironman or you are in a, a Tour de France, like a lot of that is is just to like finish successfully and stuff as well. It's not only to win, but I I still think it's healthy to take the time to almost like like dream of what that would be like. What like what would that what would happen? If if Jonathan went across the that line or the first across the line, like how would you feel? Like how how would you feel if you didn't? If you were right? If you were third in place or, or whatever? Like I think it's I think it's healthy going through some of those like prepping yourselves self. Are you really ready for this? You know what I mean? And I, I think that happens a lot in uh, like high level sports. You know, people that are achieving a lot of stuff and that. And I think it should be the same in business. You know, whatever that is, whatever that big problem is. Or, or maybe what you want to achieve, maybe um, another way of looking at it is, is like actually dream, like what's that going to be like? Like give yourself permission to like accept that right now. You know what I mean? Um, and, and how you're going to deal with that. How are you, how's it going to be different? And, and then what you can start realizing is that whatever those things are, when you start, you know, reverse engineering all those, you already have a lot of those things right now, or you have a lot of things that you could start. It's sort of like, you know, telling your spouse or something that you're only going to treat her or, or him better uh, when this happens. Well, that's pretty silly. Like that would be a pretty horrible relationship if that never happens or if they have to wait until that happens. Right. But, but how about just start doing that right now and still try to get to the same goal? You know what I mean? So uh, like in business, I see what you're saying. You it's see like, what I'm saying? Like, it, like you, how do, often do we do that to ourselves totally, in business? Yes. Yeah. We're really, we, we delay yeah, the reward. Man. People are so hard on themselves. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had like super successful people that I've been doing some work with or, or coaching or I'm on their board or whatever. And you're like, man, like so many people would want to be you, but they're already, they have all these, these beliefs about themselves that are totally wrong. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow, this is crazy. Right. But, but really, um, I think it's so healthy for us to give us the space and the permission to, to do that. And, you know, when you look at like kids, who like daydream and imagine all sorts of whatever, you know, things that they're fighting or artificial monsters or whatever, whatever it is, you know, they're having fun with all that stuff, but we somehow, we stop doing that. We, we don't, we don't continue doing that, but I, I think it's healthy to keep doing that to some capacity. Uh, maybe, maybe not as, uh, as crazy, but maybe, like, maybe it's just like, like, you know, I, like really, that's how I come up with a lot of ideas that are like very different than everyone else. It's just, I just imagine different, different perspectives too. I imagine like I'm a customer, like not just like, Oh yeah, the customer should have this. And oh yeah, we should give them this too. That'd be cool. Like I'm talking like, yeah, like literally I'm a customer. I just turned on my computer. I have this kind of computer. I open it up. I came to this. Like, what do I see? What am I thinking? What am I trying to solve? Is my answer there? Is it complicated? Is like, I look at all these things, like data points all over the place where I'm really trying to put myself in the shoes. Not just like, yeah, that'd be cool. We should do that for the customer too. That's a great idea. That, that's different. So actually go through that all and then and then take data points that's actually proving is that really the situation that you think it is and imagining that. And that's how you can solve a tremendous amount of problems of, of conversion factors or whatever. Even in a successful business, you can actually up it a, a lot better and give, again, a, a better experience and 
um, you know, better stick rate, all, all that kind of stuff. And you can start thinking that from every perspective, like, hey, I'm a customer success manager for this company. What am I going through on a regular basis? How, how am I like really start thinking like I'm in there and there's a major problem that came up. How do I deal with that? Do I have like an answer for that? No one else is here at the company right now, but I have to have an answer. How do I handle that? Do I have the responsibility? Is there an SOP in place? Is there, and, and I started doing this in every level of the company. And that's how I can really start seeing a different vision than, than most people do. Um, but I, I, again, I didn't always do this. This is like, I've learned this. I've learned how to give myself permission and, and learn how to be better at this kind of stuff. And, uh, and that's by giving yourself again, that permission and the space just to like, really think that through, you know what I mean? Um, do you, uh, do you add a validation loop to that? So if you, so if you're reflecting on something and thinking, okay, how can I make this better? How can I make this whole experience um, from the perspective of the person going through it, uh, do you then like do do you reach out to people and like do you get feedback as well? From, oh yeah, hundred um, percent. But but before that, I'll start doing it just from from a high level because that starts generating all sorts of questions I might have or or uh, you know even like on a simple software sort of thing like the onboarding process or whatever. I'll ask a bunch of questions and it's funny because a lot of people. Like whoever made that up, maybe it was like the engineer made it up or maybe it was like one of the founders or, or whatever. Um, and that's just sort of the way everyone went with. And that was just the assumption that everyone wants that experience. But but no one really looks at those kind of things. They're just like, hey, let's get more business. Let's get more ads going. Let's get. But they're not actually looking at some of the major things that are like sitting right in front of their face that they can adjust or just look at a different way. And it, it creates a much better uh, experience, which just like flourishes the business. And, and this isn't any business, like any business it doesn't have to be just software. It just happens to be the business I'm in. But even if you had like an electrical company or whatever, and how you, how you enter the site, how you explain things and communicate to your customers, how you walk them through things, how they could, um, you know, how you clean up the job site every day, how you talked about like all these kind of things, um, they create a lot of value. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a whole lot of value that people don't see that, that really goes a long ways, you know? Um, not just in like, and this could be, I mean, I, I know your business more on the, the real estate side, but I mean, when I look at like real estate or realtors, cause I've dealt with lots over the years and like, there's, there's not a, a lot that really stand out that just gave me like a, a different kind of a service. And not that they have to like, bend over backwards, but just do those little things that, that mean like maybe a personal note that they shot over to me, or maybe, a, um, it, you know what I mean? Like just thinking outside of the box of, of, of not just the typical boring, you know, like to do list that however they generated that, like just, just to really be different, you know what I mean? All the time and, and listen for those little things. And, and, uh, I mean, it, it goes a long ways. It really does that, that whole experience, you know, from, from like, for me, I, you know, buying and selling like business properties and stuff like that, you don't really have a lot of emotional uh, attachments, but when you're buying like a personal house and your family's all involved and stuff, there, there's a tremendous amount of things that are going on or you're selling your house that you love and you know, that your kid has teeth marks on the windowsill or whatever okay, that is. You like, got memories. Yeah, man, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of things going on. So you, you need to like really be aware of those kind of things and just some of those like cool things that you could do that they're not expecting. That's a pattern interrupt where it's just like, 
hey, Jonathan, listen, I know that you and your wife are super excited about selling your home and, and stuff like that. But what I've done for you, um, and you didn't know this, but in one of our tours, we actually did a full video thing of your whole house. And we made a memory book, but this is not for our customers. This is for your family. This is for your kids or whatever that is. Like, you're just like, what? Like, this is awesome, right? You know what I mean? And, and, and it's editable, so you can change things or add things. And anyways, those are all yours. Uh, but just to constantly be thinking outside of the box, not just showing up with like a chocolate bar and a deck of cards with your name on it or something like that. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like it's. Yes. No, I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Like you, you're thinking about what is most important for the person that I'm serving? What matters to them right now? And uh, I think that's a really important because a, a lot of times it, it can be easy for some entrepreneurs or business people to be thinking about it from their own perspective um, back to the and like the electrical engineer or the uh, electrician or the contractor having a clean job site every single day that matters that matters a lot for some people and like, especially if you're doing a renovation and uh, you know you're, you you you're living in this mess just knowing that that that's being taken care of but it could be easy for a, a contractor to to you know be thinking okay I'm building this business for me I'm building this business to, to create space. I, I need to, you know, set up some sort of um, boundaries between me and my client. And I don't want them calling me about this mess that, you know, they should, if they want to deal with that, they can take a vacuum and clean it. You know what I mean? Like it could be easy for a business to take the wrong, like, like a selfish approach, essentially, versus an approach where they're like, oh, how am I really creating a world-class experience for this person so much so that they are now referring me to their friends and family that this is this is a business that's creating business and um i think that like if you take that empathetic perspective that you're describing you're you're creating a really positive impact in the world um i mean i even got another business i'm thinking of in my head another construction business and i just know that there's some ch challenges that they're having and all they need to do in, in a way to solve it is this exact thing. Like just go through the perspective of the customer and think like, how would I feel if I were going through this journey and what would be a couple of the things that would just give me a peace of mind? That's it. Totally. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of surprising that if you take care of customers, they take care of you. Like it's, 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 it's always like the simplest thing. We always try to confuse it and we got to have this and we need like a special software that tells us when to have like send a, like, it's like, just make it simple. You, you don't, you don't need to make it really hard. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's uh, all those little touch points. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I've never been in real estate, but if I, if I was, I would just like, I would systemize everything and I'd keep raising the bar. And I bet you within a year, I'd be like one of the top agents real fast. Not because I'm like a wicked salesperson or something like that or have some stupid catchy name or whatever. It's because I would serve the customers really freaking well. And I would really take care of them. You know what I mean? When, not that cheese ball effect stuff that like I just, anyways, I, in any business. And I, I've, I've proven that in many businesses that I have, no, I have no, I don't know how to do certain parts of the business. It doesn't matter. It, you still uh, you still apply the same kind of things on, on every business and it just works. You know, you know what I mean? And that's that's something that I've learned just with wisdom of just having a number of businesses because I didn't always do that, right? You're just busy. Everything's awesome. Then all of a sudden the economy shifts a little bit and you're, it's not so awesome. And you're like, man, what, what's happening? And you're trying to scramble and trying to do more advertising and stuff like that. But but really, if you if you actually really take care of people in a certain way and and 
and uh, give them that whole experience that I keep talking about, like all the way through, it's, you will have endless uh, business. Like it'll, it'll just be like a constant, constant new business that just keeps coming your way. And just have the same kind of systems that you can apply the exact same thing. So if you refer one of your, you know, brothers or friends or whatever, like I better, I better give the exact same experience or even better because I've raised the bar than, than I gave you. You know what I mean? Well, like, like I, you got to deliver on that. That's on you. So you can't just do it for one or two people and then like just go back to it. Like just you have to constantly do that. You know what I mean? And make it better and better. And once, once you have that down, it, it just works. Like it's, it doesn't take that long, you know? This is why real estate agents need assistance, by the way, because otherwise that's exactly what happens is they'll do it once and then they'll they'll have a great effect. They'll learn a new strategy, they'll add the new strategy, but then the other thing that they're they're now doing falls off. And and so having a bit of an assistant or somebody that you can start to delegate these systems to, to ensure that they are being done um, on an ongoing basis, very important. Um, So Lowell... um, Question for you. If you were to step back in time, like as we as we wrap this up, if you were to step back in time to to young Lowell, yep. what would be a piece of advice that you would give yourself um that you know now or you 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 wish you knew then? Yeah, let's see. I probably I could I could write a whole book on on that, but uh <laughs> you know, you know what? The probably the biggest thing. I wouldn't be so hard on myself. Like I, I was, I was a big, like I'm a high, high driver and that's sometimes a pretty unhealthy environment to be in. Cause I, I was really hard on myself. Like if I didn't figure something out right away or I'd put like unrealistic things that I would assume that I could do because someone or a younger person did it or whatever beside me, um, I'd be really, really hard on myself, but I, I'd give myself a lot more grace of just, uh, um, and you could almost like grace. I'd give a lot more space to myself, way more time to just like have some time. Um, if I did any kind of, uh, you know, audio books or reading or whatever, I wouldn't just consume them because that's like edutainment sort of thing. I, I would actually break down and not apply all of it, but I would apply some of those things right away. And I would see how that would work and if that benefits, because that's how you're growing. And then uh, let's see the other biggest thing is I would, I would have a lot more accountability partners of just people that maybe are not even in my world. You know what I mean? I'm not just talking like your parents or something. Like I'm talking like friends that can really tell you, you know, like how you're doing on stuff. Not just like, yeah, man, everything's awesome. Because I don't want to hear that everything's awesome, right? Because that's, I want to hear like, what, what could I really do better? And, and just have somebody that you could, you know what I mean? Like, hey, an employee left. I don't know really what happened, but I, I want someone to like really dive in and like, let's see what really happened. You know what I mean? Like, did we treat them wrong? Did we do something? Could have we done something better? Did we create a, maybe some sort of unrealistic expectation, whatever that is. So I, I would love to have uh, more of that accountability kind of, not your spouse either. Cause that's, cause you don't want to be talking about, like they don't care about business stuff after hours, but, uh, or during hours, but, or maybe they don't, maybe they do. I don't know. But mine doesn't. Anyways, uh, I would, yeah, dude, I, I would just create, um, seriously, I'd, I'd be way more graceful myself. It's not a race. You know what I mean? Like, you got to enjoy the journey. That That is the fun part. It is the journey. It's the build. It's the, all that kind of stuff. Just, just ha- take some time and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, yes, you might mm-hmm. not be where you are, but guess what? You're never going to be where you really want to be or whatever, right? So uh, just take some time um, and then 
also don't don't try to do it all yourself that that was a big thing like like there's there is people that know like here's the secret like there is people that can do things way better than you can you know what i mean especially in specific things so just find somebody else don't 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 be cheap on that it's your time and space is important um you don't have to go crazy and and, and hire something just crazy but you, most most of the time you can find someone that that has a better way of doing stuff a better way of answering so it's it's good to good to especially in this world it's so easy to outsource that kind of stuff you know what i mean um so just don't try to do it all yourself there's something that you're fumbling with or your partnership group or founder group or whatever is, is having some troubles that's okay just just find out there's always an answer somewhere you know what i mean so you just gotta you gotta look and search for that don't always try to do it all yourself so. yeah that, that that is so good that is a book right there you can i was thinking that's like your sort of your chapters some of your chapters are, are right in there what um what would be like looking back, you've obviously had numerous successes and, uh, you know, you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for that. Obviously work ethic is there. You've got, you're a driver, you, you've got some of the characteristics. You also seem to be persistent. So if you have an idea, you're, you're probably going to see it realized. Um, what would be, what do you think looking back on business, some of the entrepreneurial things that have really attributed to the success? Um, yeah, the, the, the reason you are where you are today? I think uh, I, I got really good at money management on, earlier on. So um, so I, I've always been somewhat of a numbers guy, like not an accountant kind of guy. I'm not, not, not thinking like that, but more like just the finance side of having, you know, real budgets, uh, real accountabilities, those kind of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're always learning, but it's, again, it's just healthy to, like there's, there's been a lot of things that I've done wrong. You know what I mean? Like you're, like I didn't really know how to lead people the right way. Like I just assumed everyone wanted to like grow and, and drive like I did and, you know, work all hours of the night and stuff but that I had to learn that that's, that's not accurate at all. So I had to, I had to also be um, like really learn how to lead people more and like sell the bigger vision and why we're all doing this and, and how we could like, if they don't see that you, you can't just like task things with like micromanagement or something. It just doesn't work. Like they gotta, you gotta put people in a position where they're, they're actually, they're able to grow uh, on their own and make their own decisions and you're empowering them and helping them. And, and that's, that's, that's important to lead people the right way. So that was, yeah, that's another thing too that, uh, but yeah, anyways, the, uh, yeah, pro- probably overall that one of the biggest things for sure. Yeah, so so really uh, good money management, and it sounds like also the ability to self-reflect and learn and grow uh, along the journey, which is critical. Yeah, critical you got for you got to be open to learning all the time. You you never really, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird, man, because when you, you like when I was younger, you get you get like a, a couple really big success things, and it starts like it's almost hurts you because if you're earlier on, you're like, Oh yeah, I have figured this out. Like I used to be so cocky, man, of the things that I, <laughs> that I knew, like, seriously, I didn't realize, like, I must've been just an idiot. I wish someone would have just sat me down and been like, dude, you don't know what the heck you're talking about or what you're doing or whatever. But, but, but what I, uh, when you're open to like the self-awareness meters, like down and you're just, you're open to learning, you're open to hearing advice and applying that advice. Um, 
And again, this giving yourself permission to learn and grow and whatever else it, it's, it's healthy to uh, it, it's really healthy to always be in that learning state because there is, and sometimes you just have to ask because sometimes the people that you've been working with for years, you have never really even had that kind of relationship where you can ask some of those questions that they might be really good at something that you've never tapped in. You've never even looked, you've never even, you weren't listening. You were just like delegating, you know? So, um, and that, that's one other thing too, that, uh, I know we're talking about lots of stuff here, but for me, a big thing that I had to learn in leadership was not abdicating, but delegating. Right. So do you know the difference of those are? This has been a challenge for me as well. I was a big abdicator for, for a long time. So was I, I, I didn't even really realize, um, how big of an abdicator I was. So, so yeah, I was so busy and I always put myself like how crazy busy I am. I got so much to do, but, but the people that work for you, they, they sort of don't care that you're busy, right? And they never will care that you're busy and they shouldn't care that you're busy. That's your problem, right? So, but anyways, <laughs> so I would go it's in. It's true, right? It's the same, same if you're a business owner. Like how many times have you called somebody and they're like, I just want you to you know, realize I'm really busy right now. It's like the customer shouldn't care. Yeah. They, they yeah. you know. Exactly. It's a good point. So I, I would actually, by abdicating, I would tell people like exactly what I wanted to do. I'm like super clear, whatever. And then I never check in again. I'm just assuming it's all getting done exactly the way that Lowell wants it in his brain. And then when you see it, you're like, what the heck is this? Right? Like, this is not, but, but delegating is very different where you, same thing, you're explaining exactly what it is, but then you get them to repeat back, you follow up, you check in. It, you, you know, uh, is there some clarity that you could, anyways, it, it's, it's a very, very different kind of a way than just abdicating. And, and that's, a your company's not going to be healthy if you're abdicating all the time. Cause that's, that's really uh, an unhealthy place for your staff to work because you are putting expectations on them. They have expectations on them and there's, you know, Clarity is power. So if, you, if you're not like super clear on that and, and truly delegating on that, and then once, once you start learning that, once you have delegation and then you, there's accountability now and it actually gets done, right? You know what I mean? So it's, it's uh, even though it's a little bit more of a pain, you might think if you've never done it before, but to follow up and put a number to it, put, you know, you know what I mean? Like a timeline, a deadline, we're close to it, you know, but, but those things, they really help in business. Uh, that I didn't always have that for sure. I was, I was like King abdicator for a long time. I didn't even realize it. I just like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> there's no difference in that, but, but there's a very big difference in that. So, yeah, I can relate hundred percent to that because I, the, um, you know, the inspect what you expect component was missing. And so I, I would say there was a, there was a clarity of expectations that was not communicated at the beginning then there was the inspect what you expect. I heard that example and I thought it was beautiful um, yeah, where it's like, if you, if you, you know, you want your assistant to um, get you a whiteboard for your office, you might say to them, you know, can you get me a whiteboard for your office? Which is actually pretty clear. Like that's, you're moving closer to the delegation side of things. Abdication would be like, um, it's now you're the office manager, the end. And, um, that's what I would do is I'd be like, hey, you're now CTO, the end. <laughs> right. And then, you know, and then, and then I would expect that they're going to be this world-class CTO. And 
you know, cause I hired them for their mind and their, their genius and now go and, um, uh, you know, go and go and be your great self. And, uh, but reality is, is that people are actually looking for a lot more clarity of direction and expectation and how can they perform and what are those, what does that look like? But the, the whiteboard example is don't just tell somebody, go get your whiteboard. Say, be really specific, be like, okay, you know, get me a whiteboard. It needs to be, you know, it needs to be able to do this purpose. When I come to the office, I want to see it installed on the wall with a brush, all the, the markers in blue to red, um, laid out, ready to go. And so that when you show up, it's not like there was an Amazon order and it's sitting on your floor and it's still in the box and, you know, the, right. the, the box right. is checked as far as the, the person's concerned. Um, you're just very clear on, yeah. So I've, it's taken yeah. me a long time and I to want it next fully Tuesday. get it <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> My next, like, just be clear on all this, right? Yeah. And uh, there's a timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So those, yeah, those I think are, you're so right. It's, it's a healthier place too for, for your staff or coworkers and stuff to, to be part of that whole environment. Cause it's, it's now super clear. There's not like that gray thing. Like, Oh, I thought you meant this, or I did do this, but why are you still disappointed? Or you know what I mean? Um, so there's all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. And, and also like, um, I think it's really good to have healthy ownership from, um, from us, us, like, you know, the founders, the business people, the entrepreneurs, uh, uh, Jocko's book, uh, extreme ownership. I don't know if you've had, you've read it at all, but, um, I, I was listening to it on an audiobook while I'm installing hardwood floor as doing the renovation in the house that I'm in. And, um, as I'm listening to this, this book, it was just hitting me again and again, because it was the different journey and like of himself that he went through. And I realized like, you know, when you take extreme ownership over something, like if, if it's always my fault at the end of the day, you know, that's a good position to be in. So I take things as hundred percent my fault now. And I'm like, um, so if I didn't, if someone else did something and it wasn't, um, the, it wasn't clearly communicated, it's not their fault that it wasn't clearly communicated. It's my fault. If, if they did something and I didn't inspect it, it's not their fault that, that it wasn't done right. It was my fault because Again, back to the building example, every contractor is going to hire a new trade. The trade's going to have a way of doing things, but it's the contractor's responsibility to go to the job site, walk through with the the tradespeople and say, this is how I want things done. And now that you've you know framed it or you've done this, make sure you add the backing for the drywall this way. Make sure you add the, um, the, the spots for the electrical switches this way. And then when you do the final inspection, like, oh, I need you to make these few changes based on the requirements. You know, they only have to work with that contractor two, three, four jobs, and they are now trained and they're going to do that every single time. But it's the contractor's responsibility to ensure that the framing crew is delivering on the uh, specifications that the contractor has put forward. And it's um, it's the same thing as our us as uh, owners and entrepreneurs is that it's our responsibility to ensure that the people on our team are um are following the standards that we've set explicitly. And when we own it, when it's our responsibility, it's always, and it's never someone else's fault, but it's our fault. You know, you free the team up. And then you also say like, Hey, like, this is something I actually like be clear about it, but like, Hey, I want you guys to have fun and, and create some risk in this zone. There's going to be zero consequences if you get it right or wrong. Like, like if you get it right, awesome. That's an amazing victory. If you get it wrong, there's no punishment because there's no, like, I'm giving you the space so so you can still be clear about like where the freedom is. 
And totally, that way totally. you're, you're, you're creating a team that's yeah, good if, thinkers. If you do that with, with the systems and processes in place, even though you're giving yourself like, uh, like you're the one, but, but what's, what's cool when you have a system in place with that, you can also find out very quickly if maybe they're just not the right person for your team. And, and th- that's the other side too. So not being too hard on yourself. It's like, hey, you've put all these things out. You got all these great employees, but for some reason, this is not working anymore with 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 this new customer or this new role or whatever that is. Um, and and that just it's an easier way to be like, okay, not a big deal. Like you just you don't fit into this organization the way that we need, or we've upped our game, and you're no longer, uh, you know, can help us on this journey and it's been a great ride and, and find someone else that can, that can do that better. Right. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that either. Cause when you evolve, your company's going to evolve too. They're not all going to just be the exact same they are right now. When you're evolving as leadership and you're, and you're making a better experience and doing all those kind of things, you are going to lose some staff and that's okay. Like it's, it's, you know, cause maybe they were awesome at that, that first part of your journey, but as you grow and, and uh, challenge yourself and, and, all these things that we're talking about to make your business better. Some of those team members are not going to just like a sports team or whatever. They're not going to be a fit anymore. Right. So uh, they have to, they have to choose to grow. They have to choose to grow. And I think it comes down to core values. Like growth is one of our core values, um, which is really, it's like personal development. That's what it is. And, you know, if somebody's choosing to grow, if they're always saying like, you know, put me in, I want to learn, I want to show up and they have the skills and the aptitude for it. Um, amazing. But then there's some people who, you know, I've worked with in the past who are amazing at what they do. And I have given them dozens and dozens of opportunities for promotions. And they just keep telling me the same thing, which is, no, I actually really, really like doing this stuff. And, and I'm like, you know what? Okay. I'm glad that you're that clear because and maybe it's administrative and they just love to be the assistant and they're like, okay, that's, you know what? I now know that, but that means when I'm going to hire the operations manager, I'm going to hire the, um, you know, the director of whatever, I'll have to hire somebody. I can't just bring that person up with me. Um, and so that's, that's good to know that too, right? No question. No question, man. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not, everyone's going to be thinking like yourself. And you know yeah. what I mean? They don't want to always grow. They don't always want to, we, we think they do, but there's, there's great people we've had doing the exact same role for years and years with us and they love it. You know what I mean? So you just gotta, you know, again, pattern interrupt kind of stuff, do personal notes, do all, I mean, there, there's always things that you could just make their experience better working with you as well. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So give them permission to just tell them how they think without any consequence or whatever, you know what I mean? Like those things are, that's valuable creates personal relationships, creates a reason why they want to buy into your dream that you're sharing. It's a lot easier to, to delegate and, and for them to follow systems and embrace them and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. No, it makes so much sense. Well, how do people get in touch with you? How can they find you, reach out to you? You know what, man? Probably, uh, probably good old LinkedIn right now. I'm, I'm on the board of a number of different companies um, we just had a, an exit of one of our companies or a part of our technology, uh, we exited. So pr- that's probably the best way. Just, uh, yeah, I, I am, uh, I'm a fractional CTO and a fractional CMO on a, on a handful of companies. So it's, I, I just, I love applying like frameworks and things that have worked really well for me over and over again. 
And just as you learn that, you can you can change a company very quickly in a good way. And it's uh, so it's again that's part of the build. I I just love doing that. So not not so much on the startups. I'm not not so excited about those anymore. But existing companies that are doing you know, having success and maybe hit a wall or maybe just want to change things up or getting prepped to exit or whatever that might be. So, yeah. That's very cool. I mean, it's a very unique strength that you have. That's very cool. Well, well, Lal, I super appreciate you. I hope if someone is listening that they are thinking about and they need a fractional CMO, fractional CTO, they reach out to you. Um, I happen to know Lal, you're fantastic. You're very smart. Um, uh, as your son says, you're famous. Uh, yeah, but actually right. like <laughs> four people, how does yeah. it feel to be famous? Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> no, right. but, but, but actually this is like, yeah. So just such a treat. I really enjoy, um, speaking with you and every time I've connected with you, I've learned something and, uh, you always bring it back to, I think the things that really matter as well, which is very helpful. Very, very helpful. Hey man, well, Hey, when this clear, when the smoke clears, let's, uh, let's do some riding too. Some, uh, uh, either mountain biking or, uh, you know, cause you got your bike as well, your motorbike, right? So let's yeah. get out, hit some roads, I, man. So I, I do, I need to, um, I need to get my, my rear shock, um, uh, re pressurized, but, uh, as soon as that's done, I'm, I'm back on the trails. Let's do it's it. It's going to be good. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's go.